from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. And so you're kind of relying on the other person's body weight. Find his texts on the outside shelves, and then you can pick one up and bring it inside and sit there and read and talk to other people. A lot of interesting things happening within these art pieces, but so much of it seems like, okay, what happens when people can come together? Especially since um, so many of us have been separated from one another, you know, for the last two years. I'm Sarah Fenske. The show that opens this weekend at the Pulitzer Arts Foundation may be challenging for some museum goers. The works in Assembly Required aren't meant for passive viewing. They require action, our action. They ask us to touch them, to move them, even to complete them. Assembly Required opens Saturday, and here to tell us all about it is Pulitzer Arts Foundation Curatorial Associate Heather Smith. Heather, welcome. I'm so pleased to be here with you today, Sarah. It's such a pleasure. And we're so excited to hear about this show. And I'm told it's going to be clear from the moment people walk into the Pulitzer that this is something different. You're asking people to actually walk on a piece of art. We are. So the very first uh, artwork that you're going to encounter when you come into this space is a piece by Yoko Ono. The Yoko Ono. The Yoko Ono, who you may know uh, for her uh, marriage to John Lennon of Beatles fame. But what fewer people might know is that Yoko Ono is an incredibly important artist um, who's made major contributions to the field of modern and contemporary art. And so the piece that you're going to encounter right at the door to the Pulitzer is called Painting to be stepped on. It is a gray canvas, and as the title suggests, you are invited to walk or step or hop or jump on this painting. And what's kind of exciting about it is over the course of the exhibition, it gathers dust and dirt and footprints. And so it kind of also serves as an opportunity to kind of see the the scale of the amount of people who have come through our doors. And what I love about this piece is how often are you really asked to show up to a museum and walk on a work of art? Yeah. <laughs> I would say infrequently at best. I have never (laughs) done that. Um, I'm very excited to do that. I understand Yoko Ono first debuted this piece in 1961. Is this something where we're going to be trotting on the same artwork that, uh, you know, maybe the the Beatles themselves trot on? You know, um, that is such a great question. And the piece that's going to be on view at the Pulitzer is a replica. It's going to take the the same shape and form as the original one that she debuted, as you say, in the early 1960s. But, you know, if you're you're coming here to walk in the footprints of, of Yoko and John Lennon, I think you're going to have to make your own footprints. It. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good way to entice people to come in. Well, I love this idea. Um, give us a sense. What are some other ways that you're asking people to sort of interact with and, and uh, assemble? these works. Exactly. Um, So the next space in the exhibition after you encounter Yoko Ono's work um, in our our main gallery, which is one of our largest spaces at the Pulitzer, we have an installation of work uh, by an artist named Franz Erhard Walter. 
What's going to be on view in that space is a series of objects he created as a part of what he calls the first work set. These are a series of fabric elements that basically use the human body as a sculptural material and you kind of fold or you get inside of these elements or you use them to interact with other people. So for instance, there's one um, and I won't say the German name because it's it's a uh, it's I won't subject you to that pronunciation, but it's called it's it essentially is titled counterbalancing body weights, and so mm-hmm. it's this huge loop of fabric. It's like 20 feet long, and you get inside it with another person, and you kind of walk backwards, and then you start to tilt back. You have the fabric around your hips, and so you're kind of relying on the other person's body weight, their counterweight, to hold you up. And so it's this really interesting moment for you to collaborate and kind of place your trust in another individual. Do you think people are going to be up for doing this. I really hope they are. And something that's really great about the Pulitzer is that we have this incredible team of staff that it works in our galleries. We have a staff member in every single gallery that you're going to encounter. And so if you need some instructions or even if you need somebody to help realize some of these works with you, you can talk to our gallery attendants and they will be more than happy to work with you on the realization of the piece or help you and your friends, your family, whoever you have with you, a stranger maybe, um, to realize and, and, and act out some of these problems. Positions. So what are the other unusual, actually I should say all of these pieces are unusual in their own way. Um, one of these highlights the work of the English philosopher Alfred Whitehead. Who was he and, and how does this fit into art and, and our own engagement? Yes, so uh, the, the work that has to do with the philosopher and mathematician Alfred North Whitehead is by an artist named Sia Armajani. Armijani was an immigrant to the United States. He fled Iran in the 1960s due to political persecution, and he was a pro-democracy activist. He really wanted to find ways to use art to help people realize and participate in democratic ideals. And for him, he uh, he played this out in his work by creating public structures. They're basically large-scale sculptures that you can go inside and you can um, act out various uh, propositions inside of them. But this particular structure that you're going to see on view at the Pulitzer, it's it's called a reading room. And so it's almost taking the form of a one-room schoolhouse. It has desks and chairs inside it. And then on the outside are a series of shelves that contain the writings of Whitehead as well as contemporary philosophers who um, kind of seek to apply his theories to the current moment. Whitehead pioneered um, a sector of philosophy called process philosophy, which essentially argues that everything in the world is interdependent and interrelated. So anything that you do at any moment in the world, there's going to be some kind of reaction. Everything Mm -hmm. is linked together. And... um, it's been his theories have been applied in a number of different ways, but most recently, for instance, to the climate crisis. So people have the opportunity to find his texts on the outside shelves, and then you can pick one up and bring it inside and sit there and read and talk to other people, make observations, have um, moments of of clarity or learning from other people that are going to be going to be in the space with you. So when you're talking about assembly required, that meaning works in that some of these works need a bit of assembly from us, but it also works in the other meaning of assembly, talking about public assembly, the idea of like collaborative action. How does that theme fit into this interactive theme? Yeah, well, I think one of the artworks in the show plays so perfectly into what you're asking right now, Sarah. So Um, There's going to be a work in one of our lower galleries. It's actually footage of, uh, it's film footage of a public action that the Brazilian artist uh, Ligia Pape realized in 1968. 
Pape was um, living in a time in Brazil that was very tumultuous. Um, there was a military takeover, and uh, the government, the, the military tribunal that ruled Brazil at the time, essentially suspended the ability of people to gather together in public. But what Pape did as a way to resist this was she took this huge sheet and she cut holes in it at various points. And she invited a group of school children to get inside the sheet so their heads were kind of peeping out. And then they were able to kind of march and parade through the streets. And while, you know, you may see this this group of kids kind of playing and interacting and, and having having a ball out there in the street, it also has this really subversive undercurrent. Um, that, that kind of pushes back against that, that military dictatorship. And so is that part of what you're exploring with this, is the, is the ways we can resist, um, I don't know, resist the badness that might be coming from a government, resist what's happening in the world? I mean, I think that's certainly one interpretation. And, you know, so many of these works were created uh, the 1950s, 60s, 70s, up until the present moment, and they may be responding to a particular social or political or cultural moment. But what I think is really poetic and poignant about the works in the show is that they they are really open-ended at the same time. And so depending on what we're experiencing in the present day, we may be able to derive completely new meaning Mm -hmm. in many of these works. So I I think there certainly is open-endedness and and room for that kind of thing. So the Pulitzer Arts Foundation is also hosting a residency as part of this. This is with artist Tanya Bruguera and Instar. What is planned for that? Yeah, and um, I definitely, this is something that is going to be ongoing throughout the course of the exhibition. Exhibition, and I should mention the exhibition will run through the end of July. So please check our website at pulitzerarts.org for more info on how the residency is going to play out. But our mezzanine space, which is in our upstairs level, is going to be host to Instar, which is an artist collective organized by Cuban artist Tanya Bruguera. And Instar stands for the Instituto de Artivismo Hana Arendt, the Institute for Art, Art Activism that's inspired by Hana Arendt. This is a group of individuals who come together in Cuba um, to basically um, agitate for democracy. They're kind of pro-democracy activists in Cuba, and they use the um, INSTAR as a, they call it kind of an incubator of wishes and hopes and dreams for any different number of creative professionals down to school children, down to just kind of everyday people. The residency is going to have a number of different parts. Um, we will host uh, screenings of some artist talks that the uh, members of Instar will do. We're also hoping to host a series of dialogues between St. Louis creative professionals and artists um, with members of Instar as a way to kind of form links between St. Louis and uh, the Cuban community. Um, and then over the summer, NSTAR uh, has received an invitation to participate in Documenta, which is an international survey of contemporary art that takes place in Europe. And they're going to be facilitating a series of conversations for um, for Documenta, and we're going to be able to live stream those in our spaces. I think that takes place in June and July. So that is cool. And it sounds like that whole residency, this all goes back again to this idea of collaboration. Mm-hmm. This is like, there's a lot of interesting things happening within these art pieces, but so much of it seems like, okay, what happens when people can come together? Yeah, exactly. And it's been really interesting to think about how the tenor of this exhibition has changed. So my colleague, Stephanie Weisberg, um, who is the organizer of this exhibition, but was unfortunately not able to make it today due to illness, she actually first conceived of this exhibition in 2019, Hmm. which feels like a very different world. Very long time ago. (laughs) 
know. I'm, I can't even remember what happened in 2019 at this point. But it's really interesting to think about how some of my, our thoughts around the exhibition have changed over time, especially since um, so many of us have been separated from one another, you know, for the last two years by a plexiglass barrier, as you and I are experiencing here in the studio right now, or a screen on Zoom. And so it's really going to be exciting and I think a wonderful opportunity to see people have the opportunity to come together in this space and to have art really as a nexus for facilitating totally new and unique interactions between people. People, really an unexpected experience, we hope. Yeah, and very exciting. And so you're having this opening reception on Friday night, people coming together. Then as of Saturday, this will be open. Uh, just in our final few moments here, what are you most excited uh, to, to see? Well, I think I, I'm just most excited to see people gathering in public and having the opportunity to communicate with one another, to come together, to learn how to collaborate and using art as a means of doing so. Well, Heather Smith, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm so pleased to be be here. Thank you for the opportunity. And Heather is a curatorial associate at the Pulitzer Arts Foundation. Its new show is Assembly Required. Uh, That opens uh, Friday, March 4th at 5 p.m. for that uh, opening night reception. And then the exhibit is open as of the next day, runs all the way through July 31st. This episode was produced by Emily Woodbury with audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Dorr. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thanks. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com.